Hey everyone, welcome back to Contract Revolution. Benji here. Uh, Igor will join me in a second. Now, a growing company needs people to step up, lead divisions, initiatives, and small teams. And while this may be plainly obvious to you, what is less clear for a lot of us is like, how do you actually assess whether or not someone has what it takes to step up to the plate and be a driving force in your business? What traits do you need to interview for before making someone a general manager, a site supervisor, a crew leader, or some other leader within? In today's episode, Igor and I tackle this question having completed north of a thousand interviews for a multitude of leadership roles. So what we talk about are the three critical traits every leader in your business needs to have. We get into the specific questions you need to ask during an interview to assess this. And lastly, we talk about what's at stake if you don't. So let's get into it. You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Hey, just before we jump into things, I wanted to let you know you can get the free resources that we talk about in this episode in the show description. So hit pause right now, go download them, and they'll be waiting in your inbox by the time we finish this episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. We, uh, we've got a really fun conversation planned for you today. Um, this is going to be a chat, just Igor and I, we want to talk about three characteristics that I would consider like must-haves. These are non-negotiables. You want all three of them together when you're hiring specific roles, especially leadership roles. We're going to get through the list of the positions that we think these traits are essential for, but that's essentially what we're talking about today. Um, what they are are attainment. So it's it's someone's goal orientation. It's someone's fundamental. In other words, their capacity for stress. Um, and then thirdly, it's their tenacity, which is someone's work ethic. Now, we're not only going to talk about why you need these three, but we're also going to talk about how you interview for them, which in our experience is absolutely the tricky part. Yeah, and there's a very good reason why we're talking about these three. Um, I've done a huge number of interviews for for these roles that we're about to talk about here, um, probably in the thousands, four figures. Uh, so it's just, it's a lot of mileage. And what I can tell you is that my first interview for these kind of roles, like with an individual, my first interview with that individual typically encompasses these three. Why? Because yes, there's other stuff to look for. Absolutely. Like, are they naturally precise? Uh, What are their values like? What is their ability to learn? Like their introspective ability and understand themselves. There's this other stuff, but I don't even bother wasting my time going there if they're weak on these three. Right? right, so they're kind of like the the deal breakers. I don't even go from here uh, if they're not strong in in this area. So, um, Benji, the kind of roles we're the kind of roles we're talking about here, uh, the key stuff that comes to mind in our industry, general managers. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you're interviewing and selecting for GMs, for operations managers, uh, for sales managers. Um, 
production manager, project manager, people that oversee like at the project level, even site foreman, crew leads, site supervisors, uh, and then really important in sales, uh, whether it's, it's, it's people that lead sales or actual just sales people, these traits are really quite important. You see the word manager come up a lot, supervisor a couple a couple times. These are these are generally speaking leadership roles, decision making roles. They they need to be problem solvers. Uh, they're people that drive stuff. They're people that drive stuff. Are there positions on the org chart for whom these three attainment, fundamental, tenacity? Um, are like not important or, or just less important? Yeah, I'd say the word less important. Uh, definitely, they wouldn't be on my my primary interview list. Like they wouldn't encompass like a early first interview for stuff like someone leading office type activities. Like an office manager, like, yeah, like not as office. important. Yeah, a secretary, uh, accountant, or stuff like that where it's a bit more administrative. They don't really need to drive tangible results, whether it's it's sales or production. Um, so if, for stuff like that, I'd say there are other more important traits, uh, yeah. such as their level of like precision and detail orientation and that kind of stuff. I, you know, I, I don't know if I'd say like my office manager needs to have extraordinarily high natural goal orientation. And I want to be super clear to make this point. We are not at all saying that an office manager is less important than these other roles. What we're saying is the traits of attainment, fundamental and tenacity are less essential for office managers. You're actually, Correct. you'd be prioritizing other stuff. And, absolutely. And maybe we'll talk stuff, about yeah. another, ep- on another episode, yeah. what you'd look for in those positions. Um, uh, the other, the other place I think where this is, um, it's a night, it's a nice to have, it's a bonus, but it's not an absolute need to have would be for more like, like, like worker B positions, like, like laborers, technicians, job site, men and women, mm-hmm. people that are like, like doing the manual labor. Um, they're on sites every day. They don't need to solve problems. They don't need to put out fires with customers. They don't need to make decisions. You, you put them on a task, they complete it. You put them on another task. It would be, as I said, it would be a bonus to have these things, but the risk that you run, if you be, if you're really emphatic, where you're like, I need to have these three things for my laborers. It's like, the reality is the pool that you have to pick from is going to shrink, right? You might be looking for a unicorn in that instance. And so I, but I will say this, I will say this of the three tenacity is definitely something you need. You need some semblance of for, for your labors. Um, And when we get to tenacity, we'll explain it and you'll see, uh, you'll see why. So what we're going to do for all three of these is we're going to define it. Let's just talk about what we mean. Um, let's get on the same page there. We'll talk about <laughs> what does it feel like as a leader when you don't have it, which I think you'll all find really relatable. And then the most important piece is we're going to talk about how you would interview for it. How do you actually mm-hmm. assess whether or not someone has the trait that you're looking for? And that is actually, that's a bit of an art and a science. There is, uh, there are definitely some practical steps we're going to share on how to do that. So stay tuned. Let's start with these. Let's start with this attainment one, Igor. Uh, the, the textbook definition like is what we teach our members is it is the preference. It's the natural preference to set and hit goals. So what you'll see with people that are, um, that are high attainment is they're very, very linear thinkers. They tend to like look at a problem or a goal, an objective, 
And they're naturally wired to just reverse engineer that into a series of steps that they mm-hmm. can then begin to execute. So it's about their goal orientation. This isn't anything to do with their like their their work ethic. It's more to do with how they approach stuff. It's like, do they have the ability to just create a starting point, a middle point, and an end point, and then begin to execute that? You'll see it a lot. Um, you'll see it a lot with athletes. You'll see it a lot with people, uh, that worked in the military, uh, occasionally people that have like a very strong, like academic background, what they're good at doing is setting a goal and working backwards to make it happen without attainment. Okay. What it can feel like is it's very difficult to motivate people. It's very, very, someone with low attainment or no attainment. It's like we said this before, you're pushing a wet noodle. You're like, can you like, Mm -hmm. can you do this? You have to remind them to do stuff. They don't really seem excited by a goal. You could say, like, you could kind of say, simply speaking, like type A personalities, very high attainment, type B personalities, not so high attainment. Yeah. You'll, uh, you'll tend to feel it like when you're setting goals, like if you've got a culture of, of, uh, which in a perfect world you would of of accountability, uh, goal driven uh, type of work like on a weekly, monthly basis uh, for uh, at least for the key drivers in your organization, and you'll set goals with someone on a on a given week, like on a Monday, and you'll break down like here's the primary goal that you have for the week. Uh, you get, yes, you're going to do a whole bunch of stuff, but fundamentally, this is the big overarching thing that needs to get done this week. Right. And you'll build a bit of a plan with them and you'll say, okay, so to achieve this goal, here are the steps. Let's walk through this. You got to do this. Then you got to do that. Then you, this needs to happen. And then you'll circle back the following Monday and you'll check in. You'll say, all right, how did things go against that goal? Your primary number one focus, was it a hit or a miss and why? And it'll be a miss and there'll be you know, all sorts of externalized reasons. Well, it was because of that. And then this happened and then it could, this couldn't get figured out. And it wasn't, you know, necessarily my fault because of X, Y, and Z and so on and so forth, which is fine. And then you'll set the following week or you'll take some learning, you'll set another week. And then the same thing will happen the following Monday and the Monday after that and the Monday after that. And, and you'll see this, this pattern of results of like, they don't bite into a goal and do whatever it takes to figure out that linear path to accomplish it and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of, um, <clears throat> I had a salesperson working for me once and they scored pretty low on attainment. And I did the thing that we've talked about to never to do, which is like, I kind of like, I kind of like filled it in for them. I was like, I really like this person. They're charismatic, they're upbeat, you know, good, strong vocabulary, they sort of like looked and felt like a salesperson would, but I could tell when I was interviewing them, like they didn't really have a strong, which we'll talk about how to do this in a sec. They didn't really have, you know, the, the strong background of, of, of setting and executing goals, but I liked them. So it's like, yeah, you know, they'll probably be okay. This person I had to like, it's like pushing a ball uphill. You're like, did you do your follow-up calls? Have you done your reminder calls for the estimates you're mm-hmm. doing next week? Where What's the sales volume that you brought in this week? And it was always a miss. I constantly had to be a combination of like a, like a, like a motivational speaker for them, a cheerleader for them. It's really, really exhausting, especially when you're starting to like take hats off as a business owner and you're like, hey, here, you do this. I don't really want to worry about like your commitment to this goal. You just, you just want it to matter to them. And when you have 
really low attainment. It's just, yeah, it's the best way I can describe it is it's, it's super, super exhausting. Um, that was a sales example, but you could, you could, you'd have something very, very similar if you had a, you know, project manager with low attainment or, or a crew leader with low attainment. Yeah. And it's, it's a completely different ball game and a totally different feeling as a leader when you're working with someone that naturally has high attainment because they will take onus on the responsibility. Like I got yes. it. Yes. They need you as a leader to bounce ideas off, to give them the strategic direction, to, to think through the path to achieve it. And then they're like, Hey, I'm good. I got it. I'll report back next week. And it's like, boom, I did exactly what I was told. So how do we interview for this? Uh, to take us through like the steps, the questions we ask, what are we looking for? How do we score them? If you know, we, we say it's very, very important, let's go through this tang- the, the tangible steps. Yeah, so the first thing I wanna say, like the underlying principle of interviewing with this is that you're looking for a track record of the same type of behavior of what we're looking for now previously in their life. Okay. So you're looking at their life background and in different things that they've done. And it can really be in everything. It can be in their past work, in in sports they've been very active in, even in school. It doesn't really matter. But the key principle is that you're looking back at so from today backwards. It's not about the future. It's not about what they have going on right now. It's about the the you know, the history of what they've been through and what they've done in their life, where you're trying to see patterns of this. And and I think it's really important that an interviewer is really honest with themselves and can look at objectively of like, has this person showed a definite history of this or not? Yeah, because you That's might the really question. like them, which is you might really like them. And they're like, this guy's so nice. And he gets along and he likes me. And he's cool to hang out with. And he's interesting. But none of that matters in the context of this is like, does this person have a history and a background in demonstrating this over and over again? Okay. How do you assess that? Yeah, so how I assess it is this. So let's just start. Um, let's start with uh, we're, we're going to talk about interviewing for attainment here. So here, here's here's how I do this one. Okay. And, and the way I set, I, the way I ask the question is actually pretty important and I want them to think pretty deeply. So what I'll often do is I'll actually take a break in the interview for about five minutes where I'll leave them alone. And what I'll say is, okay, um, at this point, I'm, I'm going to go, go, you're going to do whatever. You're going to go grab a glass of water. Would you like me to bring you some coffee? Whatever it is. While I'm gone for a few minutes, here's a blank piece of paper and here's a pen, Benji. Okay. And I'd like you to be here independently. And I want you to take a few minutes and I want you to deeply think about the three most important, biggest goals that you've ever set for yourself in your life. Right. And then you leave the room. And then I leave them with that. Okay. And that's a big question, right? I'm asking like, what are the most significant, biggest goals you have ever set for yourself in your life? And it's interesting because, um, you know, as you're listening to this, just sit and ponder this yourself. But, you know, some people have really, really big things to say and other people have very little to say. And that's kind of what, what you're looking to to understand. And so then you leave, you come back in a couple of minutes and, and you start with the first one. Okay. And I get into each individually and I go sequentially from the first example to the second, there's a third. Um, and, and, and I'm, I'm now trying to really dig in and understand what was and what was happening for them and how they went through that experience. So first question that I, as I get into the first one is like, why was that goal important to you? 
Like what was in fact so significant about it within the context of your life at that point? So I'm trying to like really put myself in their shoes and understand like what was actually meaningful about this? Because remember you asked them, what is the most important meaningful goal in your life? So that that's the first place to start is like, why was this meaningful? And I'm trying to get a context of what was going on in their life in general. What was the deadline to achieve it? I'm trying to understand, like, was this a very defined goal? Like, I had to accomplish this by this period of time. Um, what steps did you take to hit that goal? Because as you said, Benji, someone is a very linear thinker. They're naturally going to do this. They're going to say, I need to achieve this. And here's how I'm going to go about doing that, right? So if someone got their start in construction, um, by working a, a really, really difficult construction job as a laborer or roofing or whatever because they had to put themselves through university and they grew up in a lower-income family and they had to make $18,500 in a summer to pay for school and to support themselves throughout, throughout a school year and there was no other way they were going to get through school and it was really important for them for X, Y, and Z reason that they finish college. Um, you know, they will, a person with high attainment will automatically look at like, what's the, like, what are going to be my very linear steps to make that amount of money this summer, right? There's a process to that. You can, you can map it out. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. Like, is there a natural, do they take a, a very naturally take a very linear take to the steps that they're going to kind of go, go to achieve that. And then what I want to know is how did they work through those steps? Did they actually follow through on this plan that they set out for themselves? And then did they achieve it or not? And I'm really digging deep to understand their journey through each of these examples. So how much does that matter? The hitting the goal or not hitting the goal when you're interviewing for attainment? I mean, it's important because I'm not going to hire someone that misses all the big goals that, that they put out. That's not a good sign, but I would say what is even more important is the process that they go through to hit it. Someone, someone can achieve goals where, you know, maybe they were important goals, but they got lucky uh, or they were very talented. Like what, what I'm really looking for is like, how do they, do they have this natural pre-wired ability to go and just like figure out a linear path towards achieving goals? Cause that, that, cause that, remember, that's what I want them. That's what I'm looking for in them as I work with them long-term. That's what the role demands. That's yeah, what, exactly. That's what the role demands. So he, here's something that, that occurs to me, like listening to you walk through that is like anyone can set goals. Mm-hmm. Right, like anyone can be like, I'm gonna run a marathon, I'm gonna run an ultra marathon, I'm gonna be a millionaire, and like we live in a culture now where that's actually become quite normalized. Like, like mm-hmm. talking a big game is like cool, and you right, the life yeah. that you portray that you have on Instagram matters to people. Um, not to be crude, but like, how do you cut through the bullshit? Because there's gonna be a lot of this when somebody, mm-hmm. how do you, t- like, can, is it just obvious from the examples? Is it obvious from like the detail with which they're able to describe things? Like, how can you sort of separate, like, hey, this guy is a legitimate goal setter and this guy's just like, this guy's just blowing smoke? Yeah, it's a great question. So you really, really shouldn't be rushing through this section is sometimes people ask me, they're like, holy shit, like you spend, you do two to three interviews of like an hour and a half each with someone that's like, what do you even talk about? Well, this is the kind of stuff, right? Think about it. If you're going to unpack three big examples of this to a level where you can actually, you're trying to put yourself in their shoes, you're going pretty deep with this person, right? You're talking, so if you've, you've not been a runner before and all of a sudden, for you, there's got to be a good reason why, but let's just say completing a marathon within a certain time 
is really important to you. And there, there's this like elaborate set of steps that you've laid out to go from not being a runner at all to completing a yeah. marathon in a certain amount of time. It's going to be related to training, to nutrition, to sleep, to the mental game, all that stuff. And you're going to have to practice it. If I'm getting into that example with you in the whatever six months that you spent training for this, if I'm really putting myself in your shoes, we're going to have a good like a fairly thorough conversation. I don't know if I had to put a time to it, but it'll probably be like 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah. We're going to really get in there. You'd have to be like a real expert bullshitter to give me that level of detail if you're blowing smoke. Right. Right. So right. it's, I, I don't know, maybe I've, probably there've been people that have BS me throughout an, an interview process. It's very possible, but I, I would think that it's quite rare because of the depth that we're getting into. Some would have to be like quite a master liar to portray yeah. all those intricacies in an authentic way. Yeah, because you, you're examining this very closely. You're looking through a magnifying glass at every step and the details and the thoughts they had and the emotions they experienced totally. and what was the outcome in the end. You're right. If you had three examples at, let's say, 30 minutes each, you got that's like 90 minutes of full blown fabrication that someone's doing. And I, I you know, I tend to think there's not that many people that are that good at yeah. that. So when people do say, I'll just say this because we hear it a lot. Well, it's so easy to BS your way through an interview. It's easy to BS like through your interview or the one that you've done in the <laughs> past. Like what we're talking about here is not at all. You no. you, you can't fake it. Um, I, I, that was perfect. Anything else on the attainment piece before we move on? No, I just, I want to come back to what I said earlier. Like when you really examine this, uh, you have to be objective and say, like, is it there or is it not, right? I, I've absolutely sat down with people where I give them the five minutes or whatever it is with with a blank piece of paper and a pen, and I say, what were your biggest, most important goals you've ever set for, for yourself in your life? And there's either there just isn't three big, powerful goals that they can think of, or they're weak, Right. Um, they're very weak and, um, and, and, and that's fine. Like I, there's no, you, you don't judge it. It's just, it just is what it is. Totally. And if they're weak, they're weak. You you can like the person. Then this is why I said, this is why I do this for those roles that we mentioned where this is an important factor. If I'm hiring a general manager or an operations manager, they got to drive operations with goals. I'm going to be putting on them week in, week out. They have to, they have to have a track record of doing this. Otherwise I'm completely making a dice roll that all of a sudden they're going to become more goal oriented. And, and I think that's, that's kind of ludicrous. That's not how you win in business. So you have to be able to look at someone's, uh, you know, pattern of past behavior in order to predict the future. That's really the only thing you can look at. And yes, people change. I've gotten that question too. Like, can they change? Well, I would say in generally speaking, you need to bet on, on, on the fact They're that not. they won't. Yeah. Yeah. They so, can, but it's with difficulty. Yeah. And it's not going to happen work. consistently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, anyway, you just, the closing point there is like, you have to be objective. Uh, if it isn't there, it isn't there. And, and, and as I said, that's why I do this in the first interview. Cause it, cause if these ingredients aren't there to a decent level, we don't even continue the interview process. Okay. I love it. Let's move on to the second trait, which we call fundamental. Okay. The textbook definition uh, is the ability to stay in pursuit of a goal despite obstacles and challenges. In layman's term, in, in layman's terms, it's your capacity for stress. What is your stress load like? Can you take and it's like I'm not saying, hey, you want someone that's a head case, you want someone <laughs> that can handle it not break down in their communication with their team. Be stoic, be calm in the storm, work through it. 
stay level-headed, stay really cool. I'm a football fan. You know, think about peak Tom Brady, like doing a like two-minute drive at the end of a game, right? He's like, he is not stressed out. He's super, super calm. He's very confident. He stays plugged into his team. Uh, whereas there's other quarterbacks you can think of who totally shut down and actually crack under the pressure. Yeah. So that is like, that's that's sort of the definition of, of what fundamental is. Um, I will just say my experience working with people with a low fundamental or no fundamental is very, very difficult because stuff goes wrong. Like that's the inherent nature of business, not just contracting, but any business is yeah. like you are going to have stuff that is unplanned. You're going to have weather events. You're going to have massive change orders. You're going to have, you know, a customer come to you in the middle of the job really upset. You're going to have like Key there's staff quitting. There's just like so storm, much the stuff. storm comes. There's so much stuff. And if every single thing that doesn't go exactly how you drew it up on the whiteboard sends you into a tailspin, which is what happens. Um, it's, it's very, very difficult to get anything done. Uh, these people can be quite toxic for a crew. Like if you have mm -hmm. someone, think of a job site and one person out of three has a really low fundamental. What that means is like that person is often blaming people on the crew. They're blaming the weather. They're, they, they do a lot of mm -hmm. finger pointing yeah. um, because the stress gets to them. So it's very, very, very problematic. And that's why when we you, you think, think back to that list we went through before, right? You're talking about general managers, operations managers, salespeople, project managers, site foremans, crew leads, etc you have somebody that's a <laughs> stress stress gets to them in those positions those are leveraged roles and that actually multiplies throughout the people that report to them uh benji one other key point i want to add to is that is that stresses and obstacles also just as much come from outside of the work environment for people right like just Think about all the complexities that oh. come with life. Such a good point. With yeah. with children, with marriage, with parents getting older, with you know what I mean, like like world events. People, um, they're they're one person, right? Like their life in work and outside of work, and someone who is is unable to handle obstacles, stresses, pressures, and stay, as you said, calm, cool, collected in communication. Like they just they do their thing. Um, they're going to get crushed from different avenues, or they from work pressures, but also outside of work, and th and that's I think what also what what makes it very difficult to work with these kind of people is, um, yeah, they, they 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 lose it wherever stuff comes from. Now, as we said before, there are some positions in an organization where you don't need a crazy high fundamental, and that's okay as well. But for the stuff that we listed off. Um, this is absolutely not optional. Uh, and I think if, if any of you have worked with someone with a low fundamental, you have firsthand experience and know why. Do you, do you have any, like, do you think of an example of someone that, that you've worked with where this was a problem? Yeah, I, uh, I really ran into some major issues like early on in my career where it was, and I remember it was one, one specific year where I had a number of managers on my team where uh, like I did not qualify this as much as I should as I should have and um, yeah like it was it was a huge issue that came out from three or four of them in the context of so it was one summer peak production uh, time and it was a variety of different things I remember one guy um, had like a, a massive blow up with with his girlfriend 
like really ugly and it just it threw him for the the, the biggest tailspin like he was but i mean to the point where like he was completely mia and had crews relying on him tons of customers relying on him and a, and a packed production schedules like you think about it it's like if you fall behind this week it's yeah. not just you're never catching up you're never catching up because there's nowhere to put that now everything ahead yeah. is 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 compromised right because because we're loaded the week after and the week after and like 10 weeks after it, it it's, it's full so um, I had to take over. I was literally working like 75, 80 hours a week. And, and I had a number of other issues, as I said. Um, it's just uh, this kind of stuff can be really limiting because you can't lean on these people when 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 stuff gets super difficult for them. As something as, as, as I'm not going to call this super simple, but as relatively common as a bad breakup, because that does happen to people, especially at that age where you just have girlfriends and boyfriends. Um, if something like that is really going to derail someone, it is going to echo through the organization for in, in, in this guy's case, he was, he was overseeing, I think eight people four crews of two plus all the customers that are involved in there and how that echoes then on me as his supervisor and the time that it takes away when I need to jump in there from all the other people that, that report to me that I have a responsibility to lead. So something, uh, if you have got one low fundamental person that can't carry the load in a cool, calm, collected manner, do their job when stuff gets tough, it echoes unbelievably throughout the organization. So the, um, this example was a long time ago. You've obviously learned a lot since. What do you do now to to interview for fundamental? How do you assess whether or not someone has this all-important trait or not? Yeah, so great question. Um, you don't make assumptions. Just like I said in the previous example with attainment, you don't make assumptions that they, that they will change. You're completely and objectively looking at their past track record. Okay, so... I leave them with a, with another blank piece of paper and I say, all right, I want you to think about the two most stressful times that you've ever dealt with in your life, okay? And let me just put one big caveat to here. Uh, typically, some pretty deep stuff comes out for people. Uh, I This is not the first thing I get into in an interview. Typically, we've done some sort of discovery kind of opening chat even prior to the first interview where I've gotten to know them just on a personal level because I'm like, do I even like them as a person? We've we've spent a bit of time interviewing. We've had just at the beginning of these interviews, I spent a bit of time in just natural relaxed rapport getting to know them because I need them to be to trust me and be pretty open with me. So do not interview for this first because for that reason. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you sit down with someone, you're like, hey, nice to meet you, uh, Sheila. Yeah, you're interviewing for this position. So tell me about the most stressful and difficult time of your life. <laughs> exactly. you're not going to get the answer you want they'll exactly. deflect or they'll make something up you you need to have um you gotta some have some relationship trust yeah. with exactly this person. yeah, yeah okay. exactly so keep in mind this is like like we've we've spent some time together by this point so but the key is that's the question uh that's the question and 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 i start with the first example and 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 the first thing i'm trying to get into is like why was this so stressful what made this so difficult for you right and as I said, like some, some pretty serious stuff comes up, right? It, it involves huge transition points. It can uh, involve ends of um, relationships. It can involve end of life kind of scenarios. Totally. People's lives. It's, it's, it's typically pretty deep stuff. And yeah. what I'm really trying to understand is like, why was it so difficult for you? And what else? Here's the key one. What did you have going on in life during this time? Why, is that, why does that matter so much? Because that's what I'm really trying to, 
understand here is like as they've gone through, as they've really gotten rocked, which most people have, yeah, like relatively few people just have calm seas their whole life. Um, how were they able to manage and handle all of the other things that have been going on? Right, because we don't live in a in a solitary life. Typically, like you are still responsible for things, your your children, your family, your work. Like we do rely on people, and and when you're going through really really difficult times, like you still have a responsibility for this, right? So, like I was just ten days ago on the other side of the world, my grandfather, who my whole life I've been so close with, unfortunately passed away, and and it was a really really hard time for me. And for my, my, my whole family, of course, not to mention my grandmother and supporting her um, for, you know, a month, month and a half prior to, to, to him passing away. And the, the reality is, unfortunately, is that I have a huge responsibility to all sorts of other stuff yeah. in my life. Like, like a, a lot of, I, I'm leading a lot of people, they rely on me for stuff. It, as, as traumatic as that and difficult as that was for me, it doesn't mean that I can just exit out of everything completely and drop off the face of the earth. That's the interconnected world we live in. So what I'm looking to understand is how well are they still able to do what they need to do, at least at a basic level, yeah. and stay calm, cool, collected, and get it done. So that, that's kind of what, what, why, why I'm asking those questions of like, what else did you have going on in that time? And then I'm getting really deep, like peeling back the onion, as I like to call it, of like... I, I want you to put me in your shoes. What did this period of time look like for you? Paint the picture for me. Like I'm talking the specific months, the specific weeks, the specific days. And I want to, I'm trying to understand like how did that stress affect these things that they were going after? Okay. And then some of the other questions I ask is like, what steps did you take to deal with that stress to be able to compartmentalize it? What did you do to take care of yourself mentally and mm-hmm. your own mental well-being so that you can still show up and be who you need to be and what you need to be for the people that you were leading, uh, the, the, the person that you reported to in your work for your children, for your husband, whatever it is, right? And then I kind of want to know by the end of it, how did things turn out? Like, how did you get through it? Um, if someone went through a hugely traumatic uh, life change, like a divorce with children where they've had to then move cities, uh, you know, I've seen all sorts of stuff. Um, someone that just like lost it and then they've left their job, they didn't fulfill on their responsibilities. They just like eg- went quiet, exited. Th- those are bad signs. Is, is like, is this line of questioning easy to like BS your way through? Like might, just to play devil's advocate, like somebody might go through this, they might know that handling stress is important to the position that they're interviewing for. And they might say, you know, like you said, everyone has been through some, you know, they've been through dark times. Might they like paint a brighter picture of how they handled it and say, yeah, I like, I look after my duties and I totally was fine. And I was, I was calm and cool and collected. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, is this, is this something that you can kind of squeeze your way through or, or BS your way through or, or is it unbelievably obvious? So if I have any inkling that there might be uh, some sugar coating on any kind yeah. of story or typically what it looks like is they is they're just they're avoiding details or they just don't get into it as much. This is one of the big things that I use reference checks for. Obviously, I, I don't do reference checks of like 
She looks pretty awesome, isn't she? Yeah, you really liked working with her, hey? Like, like that. These are not references. It's, 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 yeah. Like, I'm. I know the individual I'm calling because this individual came up in the story organically. So again, it's not like, well, who should I call for your reference checks? Like, and I, you get to know these people, like where they're working at a certain time. And when I talk to Tom, who let's say Sheila reported to, I say, okay, Tom. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I want to get into three different scenarios, okay? Can you please think back? It was July 2013, okay? Sheila was reporting to you at this company. This is what you guys were working on at the time. If you remember, she had a really difficult breakup with her boyfriend. As a result, she moved back to New Jersey and continued working remotely. And you guys had this, 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 and this project going on. Can you tell me a bit about her communication with you during those two months? Right. Okay. So it's, it's very specific. Like I'm, I'm getting into, I I'm, I'm just confirming if I have any questions about it. I'm, I'm trying to kind of understand those very specific scenarios and what they look like from another angle. You're sort of okay. corroborating her, you know, what, what you've been told in the interview versus what this reference check is telling you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Cool. So that's, that's fundamental. Again, key point is you're, you're strictly looking at the past and, and you need to see a track record that they've been able to handle some sort of stress. This one is, is, is one where we say, you know, someone's ability to stay in pursuit of a goal, despite obstacles and challenges, uh, someone not having this, if they need it in a role, like they're a sales manager, they lead a bunch of salespeople or they're a production manager. Um, if they really shut down, which I'm sure you've seen this, uh, I've had people in an interview be like, like when I'm talking about this, be like, man, like, this really got to me. I was literally just like locked into my living room for six days and like didn't reply to anyone. It's like, well, that's good to know. Yeah. But the, 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 um, the repercussions of that to your business are huge. And as much as you might feel for someone and the, and the difficult things that they go through, like at the end of the day, like your responsibility in this role of your life, at least, is to to ensure the viability of, of, of the organization. So that's uh, that's why you got to look at it objectively. That's fundamental. Okay, last one, third and final, is tenacity. Uh, let me walk you through what this one is. We'll talk about how to interview for it. So tenacity is like the preference to overcome challenges through pure hard work. You might... You might want to describe this as someone's gutsiness. You might want to describe it as their work ethic. You might want to describe it as their intensity level. Um, Do they put it all on the line when they have to? Uh, This is different. We talked about attainment earlier, which is like someone's goal orientation. I think sometimes people get these two mixed up. Goal orientation, you know, linear thinking, uh, creating steps. That's different than tenacity. What we're talking about here is just like, hey, when when it is on the line, does somebody have the ability to put their back into it? Is their natural intensity of work quite high? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that the the key thing that like that comes to mind for me in a when when I'm looking at someone's tenacity is like can they get it done when they need to, okay? So I could tell you from my personal experience and I'm sure this is true for every one of you is that you've sucked at stuff in your life at certain points, right? Like when when my experience and skill level at something has been low, I'm not very good at it and the thing that I can rely on to get me out of that is a ton of hard work, right? It's what it's this like little superpower that I can pull out of my pocket when I need to. And I don't do it all, you don't do it all the time, right? But when you need to, you can work your butt off 
just to make things happen. Even when your skill level is super low, your experience is super low, like you don't know what you're doing, but you will outwork anyone around you to make it happen. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm talking about. It doesn't need to be all the time, uh, but when when you've just got to get it done, can you get it done? It's like when you, for you listeners, like just think about the people in your business. Like there are definitely people that you could point to where you're like, man, she can hustle when she mm-hmm. needs to. And there'd be someone else who's like, yeah, he's like, he's steady, steady, but he's like, really, yeah, doesn't, like how, he doesn't have another gear. Like that's just kind of- How kinda, high can you turn it up? Right. Right. Like, yeah, we might be cruising at 2000 RPM regularly, but when we got to go to 8,500 RPM to redline- Can you do it? For a period of time, who, who can do it and who can't? So I'll say this from experience, as an entrepreneur, the this is one that will really grind your gears if it's not there because you own your own business, you're carving your own path <laughs> in life. You just, I can guarantee you if you listen to this podcast with any regularity, like you have this, okay? You have tenacity. You wouldn't be where you are yeah. without it. And when you work next to people or with people, you have people work for you that don't have this, it will make you see red because there is just an inherent like crunch time that you're aware of especially in our industries especially in your industry like it's like hey there's like you look up at the scoreboard there's not a lot of time left on the clock and you're behind it's like you know that it's time to get going and if you're doing that and you're surrounded by people who are still just kind of like doop-de-doop-de-doo it will drive you insane I had someone, I've had not just one person, I've had many people um, in roles that needed tenacity that didn't have it. And I would just say that when deadlines are approaching, you're deeply frustrated. The other thing is just like, there's an overall casualness about work that kind of like bugs me. Like I, people that know me, like I'm a pretty intense guy. Like I'm like, I, I am looking at the clock a lot of the times. Like I'm always like hurrying people up and it's, you know, probably a trade I can work on. But like to me, it just makes it just drives me insane when people are just like doop de doop de doo. We're just like doing our job and this is nice. It's like, man, get your ass in gear. So um that's tenacity, it's work ethic, it's gutsiness, it's gutsiness, it's intensity, it's their hustle. How do we go about assessing whether or not someone has this, Igor? Yeah. Um such a good question. Again, I, I go back to like, have they done it before or not? And I don't care whether it's in sports and they've hustled it out, whether it's been in school, whether it's been in work or whatever other extracurricular activities. Um, this is one that in our industry, we, we need to have people have a background in because we work in projects, uh, customer in the realm of customer expectations. There's often financial consequences of not getting things done by a certain period of time, significant customer uh, financial consequences and and uh, and you need people that you can rely on to make plays happen when they need to. So um, questions look something like this. Uh, Benji, I want you to think through the number one time in your life where you have had to work the absolute hardest, right? I'm talking the all out most grueling work experiences that you, the work experience that you have ever been through where you've had to hustle like never before. What was it? And then go quiet. Don't say a word and let them think for like a minute or two if they need to. Let them think. And you're just there listening. Okay. And, uh, and it's a very interesting question because some people have done really hardship before and have made it happen. And other people just haven't absolutely haven't. And that is a okay. 
Right. Right. You need to be objective. Okay. So just one more time in case you missed that, I want to give it to you again. Benji, I want you to think through the number one time in your life where you have had to work the absolute hardest. What was this most grueling work experience that you've ever been through in your entire life where you've had to hustle and make things happen like never before? Right. And so if I, so just to play on that, if I was like, well, I worked for six years as a tree planter, or I worked on like a diamond drilling rig where we worked 12 hour days for three weeks in a row in minus 40, or I was like, hey, you know what? Like I, I was a firefighter and the job was extremely demanding. Like these are things where you're like, okay, yeah, this is great. But if someone goes, you know what? I, when I, in high school, like um, I needed to save up for university. So I was like a babysitter for two nights a week. <laughs> not <laughs> yeah, a no, strong example. That would not work. So, um, so to some of those first ones that you mentioned, so what I'm going to get into from there is, is I'm going to unpack that answer to almost like gauge the validity of it essentially. Right. And I'm saying like, you know, what did you have, what were you doing at that time? Like, what did you have to make happen? Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting in there and then I'm saying, okay, well, like what was the most difficult part of that job or of that time period that you were going through? And and what I'm actually trying to get to is I'm like, Hey, Benji, like, tell me like, what was the, during that time, what was the very hardest week what did those days within that week look like? Like paint the picture for me. How long did this last for? How long were you doing this for? Um, and then I'm trying to get into their mental game. Like, like what were you doing and how long were you pushing through this, right? Maybe someone who's working like six days a week, 15 hour days on the rig because they had to get it done because the, there was something going on in the company and whatever had to be accomplished by a certain period of time. And they were night shifts, and day shifts and that was messing with them and and the the whole time on the job it's super cold and it's outside and it's physically grueling and then i'm asking here's the thing is like what kept you going what kept you pushing through i'm getting into the into their mental game right like when you're so freaking tired and the alarm's going off at five in the morning what's what gets you up and they're like like I needed to make money because my kids were heading to school or whatever. Like, like I don't, you got to figure out like what's their motivation. Yeah. And it's, it, we should say as well, like you can see tenacity in other arenas besides work. Oh, hugely. You yeah, can this see is, it in sport. You can see yeah. it in academia. You could see it in volunteer stuff they've done in the past. You can see it in travel experiences that they've had. Um, it's not, it's not just like, Hey, like what are hard jobs? It's, it's hard times in your life where you had to grind it out yeah almost no nowhere will have i seen where someone will be like a huge hustler and be able to rev it up when they need to and like sports or whatever and then just not be able to do it and work people are are who they are they're typically wired in this kind of way if that makes sense so um yeah if, if if the person's got it they got it and if they don't they don't any other thoughts on like judging the quality of the example they need to have uh I think that I'm, I, one of the things I'm really looking for is like there's reason and something that drives them yeah. to do this, right? Like it's, and, and it's got to be deeply like in, in, ingrained. It's like often what you hear is like, this is why I was doing it and this is what's driving me and I just, I just got to get it done 
right? And you'll see that in a couple different instances. Um, again, if you're listening to this, right, you're an entrepreneur, you might have a bunch of character flaws, but uh, typically this isn't one of them. Yeah. And if you just think about yourself, like there's an element of like, when you got to get it done, you, like I'm talking to you, you get it done, right? And and that feeling that you have when you're just like, well, I'm, I'm just going to make it happen. That's kind of what, what you're really looking for. And that's what I'm, what I'm judging and evaluating. I love it. Awesome. Let's, um, let's bring this home. I, I, I'll just uh, kind of recap what we've talked about. Guys, you need three things, right? You need attainment, fundamental, and tenacity. We've talked about why you need them. We've talked about how to interview for them. Do not hire a general manager, an operations manager, a sales manager, a site foreman, a crew lead, a site, uh, a, a salesperson. Like, don't hire anyone that drives something in your business without these three three or six months later, you will be utterly disappointed with the results, no matter how much you like them, no matter how nice yeah. they are, how charismatic they are, how, how well they'd fit in to the rest, to the rest of your team. These like deep hardwired things, um, th- this stuff starts to show up later on when the going gets tough. Igor, any closing thoughts on this conversation? Yeah, I just want to leave with one quick but important piece is that um, in my experience, these are pretty deeply ingrained character traits into people. There is like, I would call them like natural preferences and abilities that a person has since they're very, very young. And we can debate whether, you know, people are born with stuff or, you know, nurtured at a very young age. But either way, um, it comes like very deep rooted and it comes from when someone's quite young. Uh, many things in, in business can be trained and coached and you have a huge responsibility to train and coach your people as a leader. But um, these are, I think, natural ways of operating, right? It's, it is like a, an ingrained operating system that people have. Like you either are naturally wired to think linearly to set and hit goals or you're not right? Or you're able to hustle and just get it done when you need to, or when you're not, you're able to carry a load of stress and maintain cool or you aren't. These very difficult things to train and coach, okay? So that is why it's so important for you as a leader, as an entrepreneur and and a selector of talent, really, uh, to understand these three concepts and, and also to be able to interview for them. Cool. I love it. Um, Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope that was valuable. We will be back next week. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it.